0: good morning Colorado this is Brad Pollock the law firm of Bell and Pollock I am the Gary Bell's partner and he is my partner we bring you this show. Uh, to uh, to to help explain to you and explain uh, and discuss legal topics here, injury topics mainly uh, concerning your personal injury case. We are obviously personal injury lawyers. We're located in Denver, Colorado. We also have offices in Steamboat. Uh, you're welcome to give us a call anytime at our at our office numbers at 303-795-5900. At which time we're happy to talk to you about um, any of your legal cases if you've been hurt in an accident or the result of the negligence of another. We're more than happy to talk to you about that. We'll represent you. Uh, We work like... Most personal injury firms, so it's not like it's a great deal. Uh, we work on a percentage basis where we don't get paid a fee unless we recover for you. And, um, but we will give you an analysis of your case. It's obviously free unless you hire us and we represent you and we collect for, for you. Uh, we'll give you a legal analysis. We'll try to talk to you about what the value of your case is. To talk to you about the value of a case takes a lot more than just simply learning about your case, it takes being able to spend time learning about the other side also and what kind of money is available and how you're going to get paid. And when we talk about uh, what kind of money is available, one of the first questions I'm normally faced with when somebody comes into my office and wants to talk about um, the, the, um, the injuries they've received, especially if it's been really current is how are my medical bills going to get paid? And, uh, how does that work? And when you start talking about how medical bills get paid and how it works, you're talking about a, 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 A a very complicated process. You would think it's a very simple process, but it's not. It's a very complicated process. So let's go over some of the questions that might come up with the medical bills, how they're going to get paid. The first question is, does your own insurance pay any of those medical bills? And if your own insurance pays any of those medical bills, what happens if it does? And when we say your own insurance, we're talking about, what, two different kinds of insurance? We're talking about your car insurance, and we're talking about your health insurance, uh, now, that's a very interesting topic when we start talking about car insurance, because car insurance, it, it's only going to pay some of those bills is if you have what's called MedPay, and it's only going to pay up to the amount of the MedPay. Uh, by statute, Colorado law says that an insurance company has to write at least $5,000 of MedPay into your policy for your protection, if it's going to write an insurance co- policy in Colorado, and it but you can waive it. Uh, So if you waive it, you've just cost yourself $5,000 in the event of an accident. The amount of money you're paying for that MedPay is usually very small. So don't get yourself into that trap of not paying for the MedPay. You want to pay for the MedPay coverage. Protect yourself. Uh, Don't just protect the other guy. Uh, make sure you're protected. The next question is, Is okay, let's say that doesn't work or let's say there's not enough. How else am I going to get paid? And one of the places they're going to want you to pay or you're going to pay is from health insurance. And uh, health insurance is obviously a question that you have to ask, um, where is the health insurance? And we're going we're to d- dive a little deeper into that issue right now because when we start talking about health insurance, we talk about whether or not you have a health insurance policy and do you have that health insurance policy um, as a private health insurance or through your employer, or is it a Medicare, Medicaid-type policy, um, which um, it has its own set of rules, and we would expect that because that's the government setting, stepping into paying the bill. And then we start talking about whether or not it's being paid through an employee health plan and what's an employee health plan. Well, how many of you go to work each day and work for uh, uh, your employer and as part of the benefits you get, you have a health plan. you have health benefits and it, it does is it paying for in, it and, and how does that kick in and start paying for your injury in a car crash? And if it does start paying for the injury in a car crash, what kind of health insurance are we talking about? Uh, we can be talking about a number of different health insurances. But, um, the the m- main one we're going to be talking about today is going to be what's known as the ERISA plan, Employment, Employee Retirement Income Security Act uh, plan. And and the question is, do does your employer even carry an ERISA coverage for you? Now, there are other types of health insurance that your employer can carry for you that is not within the ERISA plan. So, you know, for all of you who are there and are wondering, does the ERISA plan actually pay, or is my health insurance actually covered for, through an ERISA plan? There's a simple way to find out. Ask your employer. Now, it's not hard, they'll let you know. And if they do... Uh, state, yes, it's an ERISA plan. You want want to get a copy of the summary plan description. It's usually a smaller document than the entire ERISA plan. The ERISA plan itself, the the plan itself will be literally hundreds of pages, will be foreign language to you. Even if you speak English, it'll be a foreign language to you, and you'll be trying to figure out what it all says. Uh, The summary plan description may be every bit as a foreign language, but it at least lets you know whether or not your health insurance is being covered by um, an ERISA plan. Um, The next question you want to ask if it's being covered by an ERISA plan is, how is the coverage funded for your medical care? And when I say, how is the coverage funded for your medical care, you're asking questions such as, um, does the ERISA plan that I'm part of uh, – actually pay the money out of its pockets, out of its accounts, to cover my medical care? Or does it actually go out and buy health insurance on behalf of its members? And is it a health insurance company that is carrying out and and providing the coverage? It could be uh, very important to know one way or the other what's happening. Uh, why are we so important about that? Because in most cases, we have what's known as the law of subrogation. And the law of subrogation is, is a simple law. It says that if, uh, if I, as your insurance company, have to, uh, your health insurance company, have to help step in and pay for your injuries, and your injuries were caused by someone else, I should be able to go to that third party and tell them to reimburse me. That's about how simple it is, um, and it, it's a plain, st- straight statement. Now, that creates a lot of different questions, though, because if I, as your health insurance company, uh, decide that I'm going to do that, so let's say I'm Blue Cross Blue Shield, and I come and I say I want to get that money back um, that I paid, and I want to get it from the party who caused the crash. Now, uh, the first place I'm going to go is I'm going to want to go to the that party, the at fault party's uh, car insurance and tell them, hey, you have to pay me the money I paid, or sometimes I'll even have it in my contract saying you have to pay me the money I paid for uh, Mr. Joe Smith to be able to um, recover from the injuries that were caused by your insured. And I want that money back, and I want it back before Mr. Joe Smith gets any money because my money was the first in. Now, Joe Smith starts saying, well, wait a minute, I want that money. And Joe Smith looks and says, additionally, I'm the one that chased the money down by using a lawyer like Bell and Pollock, where I paid them a percentage basis uh, for recovery. And so let's say the percentage basis is one third. And so now he's saying, you're taking all the money, Blue Cross Blue Shield, of, of what was paid. And actually, I've had to pay the attorney one third of the money that you're taking. So, if the medical bills are a hundred thousand dollars, and Blue Cross Blue Shield comes in and takes that hundred thousand um, dollars, Mr. Mr. Smith is now left in a situation where he's thirty-three thousand dollars down because the, the 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 insurance company has taken um, all the money except for what. And, and the law firm now wants to get paid. Now, in order to address that topic or that issue, uh, there are certain things that were developed in law. One is called the Common Fund Doctrine. And that Common Fund Doctrine is, uh, was a doctrine that's now been mainly codified in Colorado that addressed the idea that, wait a minute, um, we're not going to allow that to happen, uh, that the insurance company can't come in, Blue Cross Blue Shield, you can't come in and take uh, the entire 100000 from Mr. Smith. You can only take an amount um, after the the law firm that has worked so hard to get that money uh, gets paid its money. So Mr. Smith's not going to be left holding the bag. Uh, that's been codified somewhat and mainly in what's called the "make whole" Doctrine. And the hold Doctrine is a doctrine that says that if the, if the um, um, injured party, Mr. Smith, does not get fully compensated uh, as a result of the settlement that's reached, and if that settlement is reached near at or near policy limits, it actually says at policy limits, then what is, is determined is that Mr. Smith's not been fully compensated, so he gets the money first. Now, that's a very complicated scheme that at some point you're going to want to talk to an attorney in our office, or you're going to want to look at this show, you're going to want to send in questions, you're going to want to get a better breakdown, Uh, but a way you erase all that, and it can be harmful to you though, a way you erase all that is by having an ERISA plan where the ERISA documents, the plan documents under which your money is being saved. Uh, when you, every month when, when money's being held from your paycheck and there's being a matching amount, when those ERISA documents actually say that the, uh, in no, none of these um, principles make whole doctrine, the common fund doctrine, it'll talk about all the different doctrines, when they say those don't count. Because under the federal law, and ERISA comes under federal law, it says if the plan documents actually address that issue and say they don't count, then they don't count. And then what happens is ERISA, your plan, your plan, if it's self-funded, and self-funded means that it's actually paying for your medical bills out of the funds it's collected from its members. If it's actually paying out of that, 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 that pool of money, if it's actually paying the, the, the medical bills out of that, then the first monies received go right to ERISA. They go right to the, to, the, to the government plan or to your employee plan. And, and what does that mean? That means you can be left in a situation where it could be hard to find an attorney uh, because an attorney who knows about this kind of stuff is going to look and say, who's paying your bills? <clears throat> and if that attorney finds that an ERISA plan is paying those bills and then gets the ERISA documents, the summary plan description document, and looks at it, the attorney says, I'm going to be working for free. Because I'm going to go through all the process of collecting this money, and I'm going to be having to look at a situation where I have to turn every dime over to uh, to to the healthcare provider or uh, to the to the ERISA plan actually the plan itself I have to produce uh, give every single dime to that plan and I don't get any money because that's the superpowers that ERISA plans have, and those uh, those superpowers now is that a good idea or a bad idea? Once again, uh, it's not for me to get political in nature, but you got to look at one of the reasons for these retirement plans. Uh, one of the reasons for these retirement plans is the retirement plans take money. Uh, let's say General Motors. Uh, General Motors is out there and it takes money from its members uh, to establish retirement plans for its members and for the spouses and for um, the people who are in, come within the plan. And it General Motors, therefore, needs to make sure it has funds available to pay those monthly payments. Uh, almost like your Social Security check, instead you get these pension checks, and it's got to make sure it has the money to do that. If it's faced with having to um, pay all these medical bills and not being able to collect them back from the responsible party, then what happens when that plan is empty, when it has no funds and all the money has been paid has been paid to uh, people for people's injuries and they, they go back and they look and they say, well, we could have had the money had we had a, a law or been able to collect this money back and get it back from the responsible party, i.e. the, the at fault party's insurance company. Um, so the, 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 a lot of the intent behind the, the, the scheme that's been put together is to make sure that these ERISA plans uh, don't go bankrupt. Uh, we don't want them going bankrupt because there's a lot of people who rely on them. Um, at the same time, we want to collect our money, and we want to collect the money for our, in, our injured people. Um, and the, 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 the question is, is who's going to bear the brunt of the losses here? And uh, it can be a a widespread question of what's happening and how it's going to be dealt with. Uh, What you come down to, in the end, is having to decide uh, what's going to happen with the money. Uh, And the first thing you want to know is, uh, and, and another reason we know that's the scheme or some of the philosophy, it's not all the philosophy, but some of the philosophy, once again, I'm not saying if it's good or bad, but some of the philosophy is that is because a lot of these ERISA rules, where it has superpowers, only apply if the plan is what we call self-funded, and that means that the plan is actually paying the money out of its own funds. If the plan instead chose to go buy health, go buy, I'm sorry, yeah, to go buy health insurance and decided to go buy insurance from Blue Cross Blue Shield, then some of those restrictions probably won't count, and you're going to have a better chance as an injured party to collect the money. So if, as you're sitting there, uh, something I guess not to worry about, but to wonder if you decide you um, aren't enjoying the Nuggets game or the Avalanche game or something else, and you want to just take a look and see what's happening, or maybe the Rockies or the Broncos. I'm not going to make favorites there either. Uh, you know, you you need to decide as you're looking at it what what is the recovery I'm actually going to be entitled to get? Am I going to be entitled to get a recovery uh, from from my plan? And, and if I can't get my plan to pay all the bills, and if the plan does pay all my bills, am I going to be able to afford an attorney to go collect it back? Uh, do I leave it for the plan to go collect it, and I say I don't have to? Sometimes these plans have provisions in there that you have to go try and get it back. Uh, where are you going to find an attorney who, who's going to work for free on a hard case try and collect the money? Uh, how's the money going to be split up, and how's the money going to be paid? Now, who's going to get what? And understand the plan administrators a lot of times can't negotiate because they have a a trust relationship with the plan and they have a, a duty to collect back this money and they can't just simply waive it and they have to collect back the money. So when we start talking about subrogation, we have to understand at the beginning, and this is why when somebody says, what's your case worth? A lot of times you've got to question whether or not they can really decide that or tell you that on the first meeting. And, um, you know, I, I have contended that you can sometimes talk about generalities of what a case is worth. Yes, we'll talk about generalities. But until you know what all the different particular parts of the case are and how the working parts are going to get together and apply to your case, you're not going to know. It's going to be uh, ranges, and it's going to be ranges that are going to be somewhat far-fetched or going to be somewhat hard to to narrow down and figure out. But understand, the subrogation is an important part of what your case is worth because if I tell you your case is worth a million dollars, then the next question that you need to be asking me is not, okay, great, my case is worth a million dollars. How much of that am I going to get? Because the question isn't just what your case is worth. Your question is how much are you going to get? And one of the important parts of determining what the case is worth is looking at the subrogation rights. And one of the most vital parts of that is knowing at the beginning whether or not your plan, uh, who's paying your bills, whether or not the entity paying your bills is an ERISA entity, a, a, a self-funded plan, uh, how it's get being paid, whether it's a regular health insurance, or whether it's and, and then. You know, we haven't even talked about Medicare, Medicaid. We're going to leave that to the next show. And so I hope you all um, enjoyed this uh, little educational um, foray we've done into learning a little bit about subrogation, understanding that we've only touched the tip of the iceberg. Have a good week, and we'll talk to you next